0: Alright, I'm Stephen. My beautiful wife Callie is here in the front row. Can you wave a little bit? Sorry. I told her I wouldn't do that, and I didn't do it last service, but I had to do it. She's pretty, so you have to see her. Anyway, I'm Stephen. Um, We're from North Iowa. Grew up in Oklahoma, came to IBC in 1999 to go to Bible college, and then uh, went back to Iowa, or went up to Iowa in 2001, and uh, did a little youth ministry, back to Oklahoma, and back to Iowa again, and now we are um, rural pastors uh, in North Iowa. Kind of our thing is to uh, minister to the forgotten places, the communities, that the flyover communities is what people call them, uh, the small rural areas of our country uh, where God is actually doing an incredible move right now in those communities, and revival is stirring. And so my wife and I, have God has graciously allowed us to be part of that. I met uh, Pastor Matt, this would have been 1999 or 2000 when we met. And uh, we just recently got back in contact with one another a couple years ago through a um, Chad Hayes, through a mutual friend of ours. And um, as I told the last group, uh, we, Matt and I hung out. And he does something weird. Um, when, when he wants to really get to know you, uh, you hang out in a hot tub, apparently. And so we spent four or five hours in a hot tub. He was giving me the whole life story of you know, what went on in destiny and in his life. And I was sharing with him our story. And, and we just connected. We found that, that God had taken us in some very similar paths and had formed and shaped our character in some similar ways. So with all that said, I am so grateful to be here with you all this morning. Uh, This is a privilege and an honor to me just to share the Word of God with you. It was 1999, right over there, at a missions conference that um, IBC made me come to, right here. And I sat over there, and I said to myself, man, I'd love one day to preach here. And here it is, 20 years later, and I I finally made it. I finally made it. (laughs) So... If you guys would, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into the Word today. Father, we thank You for Your Holy Spirit. Your Word says that where two or more are gathered, that You are present with us. And so, Holy Spirit, we just prayed that You would take control over this portion of the service, that You would use Your Word, and that You would mold us and form us and transform us by Your words. Father, if there's anything that I say that is not of you, I pray that your spirit would hinder it from impacting and penetrating our minds and our hearts. But, Father, whatever I say today that is of you, would you, like a sword, cut through the stony hearts and stubborn minds? Would you change us by your words? In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Pastor Matt talked to you all about spiritual warfare in the book of Acts. And today, I'm going to talk to you about worship. Um, In particular, the, the, the power of worship, both in a positive light and also in a negative light. So if you would go with me to Acts chapter 14, we'll be looking at verses 8 through 18. It says, Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. So Paul obviously at this point is given some sort of gospel exhortation. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up And he began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lycian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and a garland to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. We bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. That's a very strange set of Scriptures in our modern times. But in the times, you know, in in this era, in this time, and even today, if you go to some first world nations, this concept of God's and, and the gods coming down in human form, would not be unusual. It would be understood. What's taking place here is, is a man is healed by Barnabas and Saul through the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the people of Lister saw this, this miracle, in their minds, this meant Zeus and Hermes are here. And so it's time to worship. It was time to worship. And of course, now Paul and Barnabas are in this this predicament where they have to explain to people we're not worthy to be worshipped. We're not the gods. Instead, there's only one God. And at the end, the end I think is so important for us today. Even with with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. There are two incredible facts in these verses. The first is, obviously, God alone is worthy to be worshipped. The second one, though, is humanity longs to worship and will worship anything. Humanity longs to worship and will worship anything. Humanity worships sports teams, I'm from originally from Oklahoma. Now, at the time that I grew up, we didn't have any professional teams. So the the only thing we had was college football. And if you're born in Soonerland, you better be a Sooner cuz Cowboys don't exist. We don't we don't count Oklahoma State. And so I was I was I was a Sooner and I mean, I worshiped I worshiped the Oklahoma Sooners which is so strange because we're talking 18 to 22-year-old boys running around with a ball made out of pigskin, tackling each other, and grown men like me are up in the stands showing our bellies and screaming in adoration and worship. You see, human beings, we will worship anything at any time because we're created to worship. We worship actors, we worship authors, we worship politicians and political parties. We worship sex and success, power, authority, charisma. We worship the concept of love and family, and even ourselves. Even atheists worship. Atheists worship people like Dawkins and Sam Harris. They worship they worship the universe, the cosmos. They've just come up with a new name for Yahweh. Instead of calling him Yahweh, they call it cosmos. They worship; they're in adoration because this is what God has created us to do. And when we don't focus to Yahweh, we will focus our worship to anything or anyone. We have to do it. In Deuteronomy chapter six, four through nine. God has Moses describe to us what worship actually is. How to properly worship Him. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today, you shall, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be frontals between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house, and on your gates. What, What the Lord is showing us here is that worship starts with knowing Him. If you don't know Him, you're going to worship something else. You may call it, Jesus. Listen, the American gospel, one of the biggest problems today is this, what we would call the American gospel. And the American gospel isn't a worship of Jesus. It is a worship of a name, but it's a bobblehead. You know what a bobblehead is, right? It just shakes its head back and forth, yes. It's so self-focused on you. We become the in the in the American gospel. It is all about getting Jesus to bobble his head and say, yes, to whatever we want. That's not the worship of God. That's actually the worship of yourself. And so the first aspect of worship is to know the Lord. We have to know Him. We have to know who He is and that He is one, that He is three in one, that He is the Father, He is the Son, And he is the Holy Spirit. Worship starts with knowing the object that we worship. Worship encompasses all that it is to be a human. The scriptures here tell us that we must worship God with our emotions, our intellect, and our body. I want you just to let your imaginations run with this. You have to worship him with your emotions. You have to worship Him with your intellect. So the way that you think is worship to God, or it's not. The things that you look at is worship to God, or it's not. The words that you speak is worship to God, or it's not. I'm Offend somebody, I'm sure, but we'll be okay. Your sex life. Is worship to God or it's not. Every part of what it means to be a human is to be directed and aimed at worshiping the one true Lord. Our emotions, our intellect, and our bodies. Everything. Worship is to encompass all that it is to be a human. And the last part of this is true worship desires to magnify God to others and to teach them who He is so that others too can worship. We all experience this. Worship is to be viral. So when you see something that's beautiful, something that, that takes your breath away, your instinct is is to immediately share it with somebody else. So if you're driving down the road, you're talking with a pal, just going back and forth, and all of a sudden, on the other side, you see something just that blows your mind. Something gorgeous or beautiful. Something all-inspiring. Your immediate reaction is to tell your friend to look. Because you want them to, To experience it with you. You see, in other words, you can't fully experience wonder without sharing it with somebody else. You can only partially experience wonder by yourself. If you went to the Grand Canyon all by yourself with nobody there to to tap on the shoulder and say, look at this. If you went all by yourself and you're standing there, you would be like, wow, that's big. That's pretty cool. But it wouldn't capture you the way it would if you had somebody there with you. You see, wonder is elevated and and, and magnified when you share it with others. Worship is to be shared. It's not just this personal interaction between you and God. It is a corporate action. This morning, all of you standing here, it's corporate When you come together and we lift our hands, we glorify him. We sing about about how he has broken the chains off of our lives. It brings us together and we we want to share it with other people. We want, man, do you see the God that I see? Do you see how gorgeous he is? How powerful, how beautiful he is? Do you see how wondrous he is? That's worship. It's viral. COVID has nothing on worship, not real worship. I was down in the Riverwalk just last night. It was like, oh, my gosh. It kind of blew my mind. I'm from North Iowa. We naturally stay 20 feet away from each other. Like, that's just now. We hug like this in North Iowa. Right? Like, to be distant was nothing. We get down there, and I'm like, man, I'm uncomfortable without COVID. Like, I I don't like people rubbing up against me that are strangers and stuff. I mean, now, worship should be more viral than any disease there is. It should be. Doesn't mean that it is, though, does it? Sometimes we don't make it viral. We'll just go on here. Worship is powerful. And Here's where I want to spend the remaining bit of our time. I was told this morning after the, the first group of people came in that one of my key phrases today is, is you become like what you worship. And, and two people told me today that that came from Sister Ruth Bell. Totally doesn't shock me because I had her, you know, as a teacher in 1999, and she made us say things over and over and over again. You know, you, what is it you, uh, when you sow in mourning or tears with tears, you will, reap with joy, right? She made us say that, and then she would be like, now cry when you pray for sinners. Cry! Cry! And, and, you know, I mean, so it doesn't shock me that this is her statement. But it's true. Worship is powerful because you become like the one you worship. And that can be a good thing, but if you're not worshiping Yahweh, that's a really bad thing. True worship of God will always lead to transformation and sanctification. True worship of God, you will always take on his image and his likeness. In Romans chapter 8, 28 through 30, in the English Standard Version, Paul writes, And we know that for those who love God, worship there, all things work together for good. For those who are, co- or who are called according to His purpose. That's a statement of worship again. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image, to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also Paul is simply saying this, listen, when we enter into a worshipful relationship with the Father, we began to be transformed into the image and the likeness of His Son, who is the perfect image of the Father. That as we worship the Father, we take on the image of His Son. That's what Paul is saying. It's very clear in Scripture. In 2 Corinthians, Paul again, speaking to the church in Corinth, Chapter 3, verse 18, wrote this. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we... As our faces just... Stare into His glory. It's worship, people. Worship. As we are transfixed on Him, we are transformed from glory to glory. See, worship isn't a one-way street. It's not like God is this egotistical, misogynistic dude upstairs saying, I need people to tell me how great I am. No, that's not what this is about. As we worship Him, we become transformed. Worship is as much for us as anything. You get as much from worship as anything there is. You take on the very image and the likeness of our Creator by worshiping Him. Worship is this two-way street. Yet, the inverse is also true on this. The psalmist says in Psalms 115, 1 through 8, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the, saint, for the sake of your steadfast love and for your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Now listen to what it says here. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak, eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel, feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throats. Those who make them become Like them. So do all who trust in them. You become like the one you worship. If you worship idols, you will become like your idols. You will take on the nature and the characteristics. Paul, speaking on this very topic in Romans chapter 1, verses 22 through 31, wrote this. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and Worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, for this reason of idolatry, for this reason of worshiping someone, something other than Yahweh, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women who were consumed with passion for one another. With Yes, women consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Does that not describe this culture and this climate? Notice, God did not make them sinful, but rather he turned them over to the very objects they were worshiping. What you worship, you become like. The world is what it is today because of the gods we have chosen to worship. See, we're not in the middle of a culture war. We're in the middle of a worship war. Culture is the result of what you worship. So when you're focused on worshiping Yahweh, there will be a culture that is created through that worship. But when your focus is on worshiping everything else other than God, culture is created from that. This is not about getting people to practice the right culture. that, That is the complete opposite of what needs to take place at this very moment. Right now, we need people to worship Yahweh. And from that worship will flow the proper culture. If you focus on fixing the culture, you're worshiping fixing the culture, and you'll become part of the problem. Do you hear that? Does that make sense to you? Right, Our focus must be Jesus, 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 Jesus. All the time, all the time. Period. No matter what, it's, He is King. He deserves to be worshipped. And when you worship Him, you will be trans, transformed into His image. And culture will come out of that as, as people group together, as they share and they show God off to one another. Culture gets created out of that. But when we share and show off all of our other gods, culture's created through that as well. The culture we see today is a result of the gods we worship, they're just reflections of their images. Today, the gods do not have the names Hermes and Zeus. Bale, Thor, Vulcan, these aren't the names that we use. We are too educated for those names now. We're way too smart to call them by those names. C.S. Lewis, in the preface of the screw Tape Letters, talks about how Satan, the enemy, is happy for the witch doctor and the shaman. And he's happy for the atheist because both within the witch doctor and the shaman he can he can act openly and operate openly but with the atheist and the science and modern modernity he can still act openly he just does it by different names we'll call it science we'll call whatever he's happy with that we don't use these names but but we still worship them instead they go by names such as victory Success at any cost, sex, love of money, love of power, social justice, the name of your favorite political party, even our own families and ourselves. These are the American gods. These are the gods that we have given up Yahweh for in hopes that they would make us wealthy, powerful, happy, satisfied. And instead, what they've given us is chaos, broken families, destroyed lives, mental illnesses, depression, addictions, bondages, pain, suffering, death. When we worship these gods, we take on their nature. Let me talk to you about two of them in particular. Two that are important for us today. At any other time in history, I could talk about a number of different false gods that we worship. But these are the two I want to talk to you about today. And I've got 11 minutes to do it, so we're good want to talk to you about social justice and politics. When social justice comes from a heart that longs to worship Jesus, it will always bring healing, unity, and it honors others as being created in the image and likeness of God. When it comes from a heart of worship. But when we worship the idea of social justice, it creates hatred Confusion, chaos, and death. You hear the difference? When social justice is the culture that is produced from our worship to Yahweh, it elevates humanity. But when social justice becomes our worship, it brings nothing but chaos, confusion, and destruction. Last night I was reading an article, a, it's a Canadian article. There's a man who is transgender. Born a man, still biologically male, but he wants to be treated as a woman. And he is suing um, these ladies who operate in um, giving waxes as a business. And most of the women that are being sued by this gentleman for not performing their duties, if you will, he would go in and say he wants a Brazilian. And the ladies would say, No, you're a man. We're not doing that. And they would, he would sue them for discrimination. Now, these, I want you to think how chaotic social justice can be when it becomes the object of our worship. These women. Many of them have lost their jobs and their businesses have been closed down because the Canadian government has ruled against them as discriminating. They are Brazilian women. All of them are immigrants. And all of them are women. I want you to think about that for a second. When we worship social justice, we will crush the head of others to lift somebody up that we like. These immigrant women are being crushed to elevate this gentleman. When we worship Yahweh, and social justice as a culture flows out of that, we elevate the dignity of all humanity as being created in the image and likeness of God. There is a huge difference. And right now, our nation and our world has got this backwards, and that's why it's causing chaos and confusion. It's not. Listen, we should never be against social justice. The prophets talk about it constantly. But our focus, our worship, should always be Yahweh. And then a culture of justice should flow out of that. And that culture will always elevate all people as image bearers of Christ equally. You will never, within the culture of worship, see one get pushed down so another can be elevated. That will never happen. Politics is another God that we like to worship. When our politics flow from a heart of worship, a worship to Yahweh, you and I will never fit perfectly into any party. just won't happen. But instead, we will constantly be pushing to lift civilization to a place of love, beauty, long-suffering, and godliness. When I first moved back to Oklahoma after I had done a short youth pastoring stint in North Iowa, a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in years saw me at the pool with our children, and he came up to me and asked what I was doing, and I said I'd, I'd been pastoring. And his first question to me was, was, are you a conservative or a liberal pastor? I That kind of blew... I didn't even understand the question at first. The words that came out of my mouth was neither. I have a tendency to make both of them mad. That is Christ. You, listen, if you are flowing out of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of men, you will never fit a man's system, ever. There may be aspects of a human system that aligns with the kingdom of God. But there will never be a human system that is fully the kingdom of God until Jesus comes back to this planet and reigns for eternity. It won't happen. We are kingdom people. but when our, So when our politics come from a place of worship to Yahweh, we are going to make both sides angry with us. There will be times that they're happy. And they're going to want to put their arms around us and bring, them in bring us into their camp. Let me just say something to you. They're trying to manipulate you. Remember, no man is your king but Jesus. No man but Jesus. You don't need the politicians. They need you. Okay? They need you. Stay focused in worship. When we worship politics, we will only create division strife, hatred, alienation, and death. Let's bring the worship team up here. When we worship that which is fallen, we will always take on the nature and the characteristic of that fallen nature. When we worship that which is divine, when we worship Yahweh, when our hearts are tuned to the face of Christ, We will take on His nature. And when we come collectively and worship Him in every part of our lives, our minds, our emotions, our bodies, it will create a culture that is so kingdom-oriented, so beautiful, that it will lift all people. It will lift all people. That's what we're aiming for. And it starts with worship. Like Paul and Barnabas, we must be humble. We must refuse to allow people to think of ourselves as something special. You and I, we are not special. There is nothing special about me being up here in front of you and getting to talk. I just like to talk. There is nothing special about this. You know who is special? Jesus. Jesus is special. So when people come to you and and you've been out in the streets and you laid hands on the sick and you saw somebody healed and people gather around and they're saying, what's going on? Oh my gosh, you're incredible. You're a miracle worker. You step back and you say, no, I'm not. Jesus. Jesus is. I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. When elevated, we preach Jesus as king. When persecuted, we preach Jesus as king. When mocked and laughed at, we preach Jesus as king. Humanity longs to worship. Your children long to worship. Your neighbors long to worship. Your atheist friends long to worship. Therefore, God longs for you to share His glory through the worship of His Son, Jesus. If you want to change the world, it will not be done through the powers of this world. If you want to change the world, it starts with you and me getting our worship on Jesus alone. So if you would stand with me. I want us to take a moment as we worship, and I want you to to put your hands out in front of you and I want you to imagine all the things in your life that you have placed before Christ. Who are the gods that you constantly put before Yahweh? And I want you to bring them before Him and then I want you to lift them up and say, you alone, Yahweh, you alone, Father, are God. And I, I give it all back to you and I will worship you alone. Let this be a time where we as the church, the creators of culture, let this be a time where we repent so that we can create a kingdom culture that our society needs. What you worship is what you will become.